Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode, and uh, I'm joined actually for a second time by Anisha Collins. By the way, Anisha, you are among a, a lucky few. We don't have a lot of repeat guests on the show, uh, hey. but thank you so much. And I should say we're lucky, though, for you making time to come back again. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Well, and we talked last time about video marketing on kind of a maybe a little bit more of a broad approach, but we're going to get today into a very specific element of video marketing, which is IGTV. Normally, we start off the the podcast interviews with kind of a background of our guests, and we talk about brand position and the favorite book and this kind of thing. We actually did all of that back in episode 258 when you were on with us before. So what we're going to do for everybody listening in, if you missed episode 258, hit pause, go back to that episode and listen into the conversation with Anisha, not only so that you can get to know her better, but then also to have some context to this conversation around video marketing. I, but let me start with this, Anisha, before we jump into the questions that I do have for you today. I was I was on your Instagram account, um, just kind of scrolling a little bit. And I have to say that I really love the finish that you're applying to your images. And by the way, for everybody listening in, a little bit of context, it, it is, and I'll just go ahead and share this. We'll link to it in the show notes as well. Unashamed imaging, just like it sounds, uh, is on Instagram. And you've got kind of a, it's like, it's like a film look to it. So slightly desaturated, but a lot of the film finishes we see these days are kind of over the top and the greens are weird. And there's so much desaturation that skin looks dead. You've got a nice balance. Thank you. I'm listening. I'm like, he's really paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. But talk to me a little bit about that, about that finish, like how you've come up with it. Because, um, and I know this is totally off topic, but it was just something that I noticed. And there is a tendency, I mean, we have these, I see these trends kind of come and go in our industry. One of those has been applying a film finish to the the images for photographers and and yet in the process they seem to kind of go over the top they overdo it and then when do you end up with is are, are images that are just way over processed for the client and you know they may even look back at some of these images in five years and say what in the world was the photographer thinking and, mm. and the printing may become a little bit difficult because skin tones become weird how do you find a balance and can you maybe share some insight into what preset or process you're using yeah. So majority of my clients, I mean, I, my, my portfolio is very versatile, meaning I can film people uh, or film, I say film, but I shoot video and photo just to clarify. I can film people of color and people not of color, like, you know, Caucasians, uh, et cetera. My family's very mixed. So for me, when I first started shooting as a photographer, my goal was to show people of color, honestly, that they can have quality imagery too, because a lot of the feedback I was hearing was they couldn't find a photographer that could film them. You know what I mean? Like their yeah. true skin tone. Either they were they were like darker skin, and when they got their pictures back, they were like 
50 shades lighter because yeah. uh, just not knowing how to properly expose or right. they were fair skin or Caucasian and people didn't know how to balance that because they, their portfolio was mainly African-American. So it was my goal to figure out like, how can I do that in the middle where people stay true to their color? Like, you know me, I'm very big on embracing who you are, being yourself, being unashamed of who you are. Yeah. So I'm not going to, even in my work, make you look like you don't look you know, that's, that's just not my thing. So I do pay attention first to skin tone. Like, does this look like how they look like in person? Okay. That's my first thing um, as I'm tweaking colors and things of that nature. I do mute my greens a little bit, but not to the point where it's like, I've seen people mute their greens and it's like a grayish green, which is not realistic. You know, I still have that pop of green, but for me, it's like the couple is really what I want to pop more. And then the, the rest is just complementary to them. Okay. So this is interesting. And then I like your, your effort at kind of maintaining some type of balance. Obviously the word balance is a funny word because it's very subjective, but you're just trying to make sure that things are, are not over the top, which is, was my original point. I mean, so many times you see photographers take on an idea and then they just go to the extreme with it and, it can look again, it's not necessarily in the moment that it seems terrible as much as, you know, in a year, three years, five years when that trend comes and goes, and then a client maybe is trying to print an image and you've got these just jacked up skin tones, uh, for lack of a better phrase, because of this weird preset that was applied that could cause problems. So I like that you're focusing on balance, but when you talk about this, this effect, uh, or the look that you're applying to your images, especially muting some of the green tones, are you using a particular preset or are you doing this individually? What does that process look like? Yeah, mine mine definitely comes from individual editing. Like I said, I have a color that I desire, and then I just tweak it per wedding. That's that's honestly how I get my consistency. Okay, because you can look at my images, and there is a consistency. I did want to have, uh, I would say later later in twenty nineteen. I wanted to have a look that matched more of my desire for my brand shift. I was always quote unquote luxury, which I still feel like people don't have a definition of the right definition. Um, but I want to match the experience that I'm describing on my website. You can't say that you're luxury and high end and top, you know, top notch and your pictures look worse than an iPhone photo. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get I get where you're going with that for sure. Yeah, I really do color by hand. Um, and it's funny because people will say, like, how do you maintain consistency? Your eye is just like r- driving. Like, you know the kind of turn that you need to make when, when you're driving a truck or when you're driving a car. For me, I have this certain color and I can tell when I'm off it. Uh, you know what I mean? And I just tweak it to match, you know, what I want. Um, and there are other people out there that do that. Like those are the ones when you see the consistency in their portfolio and they don't, they don't have to use presets to uh, achieve that. There's nothing wrong with presets. I have tried them. Don't get me wrong. I have tried them. Yeah. I have even, I have even wrote, written a blog about one. Of, there was someone releasing some and they wanted me to try them out. And I said, you know what, there are photographers out there that just don't have that either the time or the patience to try a preset and go with it. Um, I mean, to, to, to um, color for on their own is what I mean. So I wanted to try it. And then I wrote about it. It's like, Hey, if this is you, if you fall in this category, this is, this might be a preset for you, but my color really is my eye. Like I just tweak it. And then per wedding, you know, I sync my settings as long as I'm not moving the subject and we haven't moved. And then I go to the next part, you know, like the next area that I shot in and I tweak the settings in there and then 
I sync them to the photos that are relevant to that section. That that's pretty much how <laughs> I get through my edits and maintain consistency. Well, that, I, am I making sense? <laughs> yeah, no, it is making sense. And and I mean, first of all, props to you because I am looking at your Instagram feed and and the actual imagery itself. There is particularly in the last little while this consistent look to it, which is, I mean, if we were referencing presets, we, I, I would say. It's a it's a film preset, but it's one that just doesn't go too far over the top. And as a result, you pointed out number one, and in fact, I want to come back to this. It doesn't distort skin tones, but two, right. it's not it's not um, distorting the greens too much because you're right; they can go over the top with that. And, and the problem with a preset at times, I mean, it can it can help with consistency for somebody that right. maybe doesn't have as good an eye as you do. When it comes to processing hundreds or thousands of images, you do want a consistent look to represent your brand. And having a preset to act at least as a baseline is, is a great thing. But many times that can't, that preset can just take the images over the top and then the photographer doesn't tweak it or adjust it or bring that down. And uh, as a result, you end up with images with some pretty funky colors. But speaking of color, I want to come back to this conversation about skin tones. And by the way, I love this free-flowing conversation. I didn't expect to get into all of this today, but um, you bring up a really interesting point of conversation, which has to do specifically with the processing of images with subjects who have darker skin color. Uh, Because this is something, I mean, naturally for me as an owner of an editing company that has come up, uh, one, yeah. of the, one of the things, yeah, and one of the things that is that has come up is that for somebody who, for example, an African American subject who has darker skin, how many times the the skin tones can become a little bit too orange if you increase the contrast or you add a little bit too much white balance or a combination of the above, and right. then you end up with skin tones that aren't quite as accurate, and that's just one example of distorting the skin tones. But can you speak to this in a little bit more detail? How do you go about making sure? Uh, because it's it's easy to take a to snap a picture on the day of the wedding, and right. you may even have a wide range of skin tones within that image. But then after the fact, when you have those images pulled up in Lightroom, how are you going about making sure that the way that you're finishing that image doesn't distort the skin tone of the subjects? That oh my gosh, that is such a good point, and I'm going to say this, and it's not to offend anybody, but that is why a lot of African American creatives, or even creatives that that you know just happen to have a darker tone clientele. You don't have to be African-American to be, you know, of darker skin tone. Sure, sure. Um, no offense. There are some Puerto Ricans who are darker than me, Yeah. you know, but that's why a lot of us don't opt in to presets a lot because they don't work for our clients. So I, what I am trying to get at is you have to really know color balance and it's not just hitting the auto white balance on your camera. Like you need to know your Kelvin and how to use that properly, know what's too warm and what's too cold. Right. You know what I mean? And that, that honestly is something I learned in the very beginning. I had a mentor uh, who is like phenomenal, a guy. That was one of the first things that he told me. He was like, you have to get your color balance right because it like that can be a game changer. Similar to lighting, all of that is a game changer. Yeah. And I remember beginning, I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not doing no Kelvin. I don't want, I don't want to do that. Um, and then like I started seeing his color grading. I'm like, how? What is so epic about you know? Why is he getting all this epicness basically? And it had to do with the fact that he he does his color balance. So for me, like that's the first thing that I look at when I'm in a room. I'm always looking at what's my Kelvin. Now um, you can you could tweak. You know, if you're shooting raw, you could tweak it. But what I learned from the get go, meaning from the very beginning, I'm using New York, New York terminology. (laughs) (laughs) From the very beginning was get it right in camera. Part of getting it right in camera is having that color balance. Um, You know, like I said, understanding lighting. 
I have subject matters where like my, my wedding that just got published in People magazine, the groom was darker tone. The bride was more my color, more, you know, more fair skin, more lighter tone. How do you balance that where he's properly exposed, right? But she's not overexposed and vice versa. How do you not underexpose him and she's properly exposed? Like that's how you, that's really have to, how you have to look at every subject. And I think that goes into honestly, even for creatives to really consider putting diversity in their portfolio, because that will train their eye how to really film people of darker tone, African-American or not. It's still, everyone is not the same hue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. So starting with a, a set point of sorts uh, for white balance, I mean, are you using a, a white balance card, like a gray card? Are you using a, a disc of, uh, what are you using to actually set that white balance? Because that's actually a great point. Even if you just take one image for that very purpose of having accurate white balance and image, which then gives you an accurate point of reference for the skin tones of your subjects. Being able to have that later on in post-production would be huge. Do you, are you using any of those tools or are you just eyeing that as well? I am eyeing it and I feel so bad because I feel like I'm supposed to give you this epic answer, but oh, you no, know no. I me. Mean. We met in person. We've done an interview together. Like that really is my trick. Like I am seeing it by eye. Like okay. to me as a photographer, my eyes and my hands are my weapons. They are precious. I have to take care of them. They are tools that I need. It's just eye training. And like I said, I also did video first. So I don't know if that might might be why my eye is so strong with recognizing color. Uh, you know what I mean? Like with video, with, with imagery, uh, look, you with color, with color when it comes to video and photo, you can tweak it if you're shooting raw. But I, like I said, I've been trained for years, get it right in camera, get it right in camera. So I just, it's, it's a priority. It's a requirement when I'm shooting some, something to get it right in camera first. Um, and that's really my trick. Like I don't have no, I don't have another like secret. Yeah, no, no, no. I, but th this is good conversation. If for no other reason than for the sake of awareness, uh, and, and it's not something that I've heard discussed a whole lot. And, you know, I mean, I, I realize why there's a lot of sensitivity and apprehension around conversations about race and, and differences in race. And even if it relates to something as practical as photography, but at the end of the day, we're just talking about providing accurate skin tones for our subjects. And, right. and that, that is just a, it's a simple reality of life. And, and I think it's on us as professional photographers to do a good job of representing the skin tones of our subjects, doing so accurately and actually making a pointed effort to do just that. And uh, so I'm really glad that you brought this up. We had actually one of, uh, one of our previous Boca podcast guests come to me specifically about the post-production work that, that we were doing for them and, mm -hmm. and some of their darker skin toned clients, not necessarily African-American, but in reference specifically to what I mentioned earlier, the, the kind of stronger orange hues that were coming out in the skin tones and how can we go about what we ended up doing is working on tweaking a preset in order to address that very issue. And um, I, I think that having honest conversations like these, uh, it, we, just having them, it, developing awareness around them and ultimately adjusting our technique around this topic is, is a really smart, intelligent thing to do. And uh, again, I'm really glad that you brought this up. And I also have to give you a shout out. You mentioned that, that article in People Magazine. Um, I did a quick search and found it. We'll make sure to link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for everybody curious. But I think this is the one that said uh, Bride 33 undergoes emergency surgery 24 hours before dream wedding. Is that the article? Yes. Okay, perfect. So I, I'm just scrolling through this this article here in your, your work, and it is just lovely. 
Uh, so for those who are curious listening in, we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And uh, you can kind of see a little bit of uh, Nisha's work there as well. In addition to, of course, her Instagram account that I just mentioned, Unashamed Imaging, and um, and then also Learn with AC. And I'll give you a chance to talk a little bit about the education work that you're doing uh, at the end of our conversation, Anisha. But let's actually jump to our primary focus. And again, for those of you who missed out on Anisha's first episode, 258, make sure you go back and listen into that to some of the uh, introductory conversation about Anisha and her background and her business, and you can learn more about her there. But let's talk about Instagram TV. And I mean, for you as somebody who is in video, it seems like a, a natural thing to put time and effort and energy into a video-centric platform like IGTV. I'll be honest, I have yet to leverage it personally, uh, at least for, on my personal account, uh, Instagram account. And, and so I'm not as familiar with it other than occasionally clicking and, and watching some of it myself. But will you just give our listeners who aren't as familiar with the platform, aren't actively using it themselves, just kind of the basics around IGTV and what it is? Sure. So IGTV is a standalone vertical video application uh, that was launched by Instagram, I would say like July of 2018. It's not to be confused with IG stories. So I know that's the bigger thing. People will say like, oh, is this like, no, 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 it's not IG stories. They are two different things yep. in the same um, application. What I like about um, IGTV is that it does have its own app, which helps you when you're developing content specifically for that to just keep it in that app and you don't have to get distracted by the feed and all that other jazz. And you can find the feature um, at the time when they launched it, it was at the top like right hand corner of your feed, like near the DM button. I know now. Yeah, it's still there. I wanted to check because I know now like Instagram makes changes every day. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm like, while you're listening to this, at the time of listening to this, right. it is still next to the DM button on your um on like your main feed where you would see other people's content. Um, when you're on your own feed, you can hit the icon. If you have highlights, it would be the icon in the middle underneath all of your highlights. Uh, and that's and it looks like a little television with two and you know, with an antenna up top. Okay, cool. So I'm I've got my Instagram app pulled out myself, and yeah, you were referencing the the little icon. If you're looking at somebody else's feed, there right next to the grid icon is the IGTV icon, and then um, you also have that at the top right hand corner when you're just in your primary feed, and then mm -hmm. the additional app that you mentioned as well. Is there an advantage outside of kind of minimizing distraction? Is there an advantage to using just the IGTV app versus just doing all the work within the Instagram app? You said it, distraction. That's really about it because it's going to show you everyone that you follow primarily in the app. But sometimes in being in the feed, you can get distracted when you're trying to upload and do your own thing. So I honestly, when I'm loading IGTV, a lot of times I'll even do it from the desktop just because I know I have the file. Like if I've made a, a particular video for IGTV content, like I did the video recently for Whole Fast Gear and on their platform, I made, I think the video was about like two minutes, 30 seconds around, around there. And so I made a video for them and, but I loaded it directly from the, the desktop. Honestly, they, they, they work well, both whether you're doing it from, from the app or in your, in your IG app. So I have to say from the IGTV app or the IG app itself or your desktop, they all work well. And on the desktop, are you uploading through an app there as well or just directly into Instagram platform? 
Yeah, directly into Instagram. So you don't want to do it from, like there's a little app for the desktop, like an app version that you can add onto your Chrome extension. That's okay. a Chrome extension. Not that, because that's basically like the app from your phone, which on the desktop, and I'm saying it slow because I don't want to confuse people, from your desktop, it doesn't work well. So you would want to do like Instagram.com slash whatever your username is slash channel. So for me, it would be Instagram.com slash unashamed imaging slash channel. That would take me directly to my IGTV channel. And then from there, one, you'll be able to see like all your videos that you have loaded. And then there's an upload button with like a blue background. You just click upload. It'll open another screen. And then on that screen, it'll say like add new IGTV video. You can drag and drop your file as long as it, as long as it is within the length parameters um, and the size parameters. And then you can add a cover, your details, description. You can even select whether you want the video to preview on your feed. Um, you can also select if you want it to, like if you have your Facebook business page connected to your Instagram, you can select for it to go there if you want to as well. One thing that I love about the desktop version too is that you can save it as a draft. So let's say you load all the stuff I just said, description, title, cover, all that jazz, and you're like, you know what? I'm not ready to load it just yet, but I don't want to do all this over. You could save the draft in there and then come back to it and load it when you're ready. Oh, that's cool. Okay, good. And, and by the way, I really appreciate this very basic practical information. Uh, it, hopefully it's helpful, especially, I mean, it's helpful for me, but it's hopefully helpful for those who are just getting started and maybe curious how to begin using it. Uh, one other yeah. very basic question for you, and I don't know what the latest is here, but with IGTV, is there a particular time limit? You know, with, with Instagram stories, for example, you have a 15 second story, uh, videos can be uploaded into the feed. I think at this point it's 60 seconds, correct? Um, for the preview for IGTV you're referring to? Well, preview, uh, so let's set IGTV aside for a second. I just want to create a differentiation. So with just regular okay. Instagram stories, it's 15 seconds. With your feed, right. if you upload a video into your feed, it's 60 second limit. And then what is it for IGTV? So for IGTV, you can have uh, 15 minutes when you're up- uploading from like your phone. And then you could do 60 minutes when you're uploading for the web. Okay, cool. Okay, that's good to know. And then you mentioned the difference earlier between videos in your IG feed or maybe your stories, but you can actually tie videos in your feed to an IGTV video, correct? Yes. So that would be the previewing feature, which I tell people to use all the time. Like if you if you have content, what the trick to that is, and this might be going ahead, so let me know, but the trick to that is you need to have whatever's in that first minute that's going to preview on your feed. It needs to be compelling enough yeah. for people who want to watch the rest of your video. Yeah. And, I, and this is what I mean by that. If you're telling them all the juice in that first minute on the preview, they're not going to watch the rest of your video on IGTV. So it has to be enough where they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the rest? I need to know. It's, it's life-threatening. Like, you know, I'm just kidding about life <laughs> But yeah, they have, it has to entice them. It has to make them want to click, um, you know, keep watching. And I'm saying keep watching for right now because they might change that verbiage too. But that's what it says currently. Well, but that's just a good marketing principle in general, right? If you're going to put information yeah. or you put a post out there, make it compelling, draw them in. Yeah. And um, that's particularly true in the, in the context of this conversation. So let's move from kind of the, the basics, the introduction to IGTV. Let, let's get into, first of all, the top three benefits of using Instagram TV. Now, I realize some of you listening in, maybe you already use it. Um, I would venture, though, that many are not. So let's just assume that they are not or not a lot. What are the top three benefits 
Um, and, and speaking of creating a compelling argument, convince us, sell us, Anisha, the top three benefits of using Instagram TV. Okay, so one of the first that I feel like is like an aha moment for a lot of people is with IGTV, you already have a following, unlike YouTube. With YouTube, one of the main things we hear creatives say on there or content uh, developers is follow me, subscribe, whatever verbiage they want to use. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're like, I need you to hit that button so you could be another number, right? With IGTV, these people are already following you. Whatever followers. So, for example, I have right now, currently, I have 5.4 thousand followers on Instagram. So, all 5,496 followers are already going to see my IGTV content. You don't have to do the come follow me, come look over here, look, look, look. Like you don't have to do that. And like, to me, that skips a major step because why? You want people to see your content. Now, does that mean all 5,496 people are going to watch? No, but my content is still readily accessible to them if they want to, wanted to see it. So the audience building factor, I feel like is a, is the major thing. Like you already have the audience, now go give them what they need. Go give them relevant content. That's really interesting. And I'm glad that you, you pointed that out. And honestly, I haven't heard anybody else say that. When when IGTV first came out, even I was like, why why is Instagram delving into an area, an arena that really isn't theirs? Theirs is about still images. Why, why are they trying to create this whole separate thing? People are already spending time on YouTube. And you may still be able to make an argument in that direction, but you're right. And instead of having to go to YouTube to create a whole separate following, why not just mm-hmm. play to the existing following, especially for those who have a large following already? That's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and the next thing would be, so this will be number two, just in case you guys are like wondering, do we just give you three in one sentence? <laughs> um, yeah, number two would be consumers are ready to buy on Instagram. Consumers are ready to learn on YouTube. They both hold value, but think about yourself for just a millisecond and then come back to serving your audience. But if you think about yourself for a millisecond, when you go on YouTube, you're not you don't type in how to use IGTV with the thought of I'm going to find a video and then I'm going to buy something. You look for, like I just said, the how, maybe even the why and the what uh, on YouTube. But on on Instagram, very much so even like Pinterest, people are ready to buy. So if you have content on there, for example, like you're showcasing your products. And I think this is something that entrepreneurs and creatives business owners struggle with, like they're afraid of being salesy. Let me just put this out there. And I'm going to quote one of my friends, Brittany Hahn of the Hans photo. She has a quote that says, scared money doesn't make money. But hers is more don't make money. But I'm just giving you proper. (laughs) um, But yeah, hers is scared money don't make money. People know you are a business, especially if you're making it in your bio. This is a business page. So they know you're going to sell. So get over the whole I am afraid of being salesy because the people who aren't afraid, they're booking, they're selling. Now, how you actually do it, yes, where you get over it, okay? Like you, you don't have to showcase your product. Like you don't have to scream buy from me. Like keep it simple. Showcase your product. Period. Well, and make it personal too, right? Because right. I, yeah. I, I think about that. There's somebody um, who I've I've interacted with on and off over the last, uh, I'll just say, a year or so, uh-huh. who is in the video space actually. And it seems like 80 to 90% of the conversations that I've had with this person have centered around or have been driven by, initiated by them in some form or fashion offering video services to me. 
And okay. that, that kind of focus on only being a salesperson without a whole lot of effort in getting to know me on a personal level, reaching out on a personal level, seeing how I'm doing, talking to me about things I'm posting personally on my Instagram account, actually making an, an effort to engage on a personal level. Now I feel sold to all the time. But if, if you're starting from a place of like genuine desire to share something that you're excited about, number one, um, secondly, a genuine desire to help other people, and all of this being rooted in a desire to connect with other people on a personal level, that motive will drive the way that you talk about the thing, the way that you share about the thing, how much you share about it. And I think yeah. you end up with a much better balance, and then people won't be turned off as much. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why the I talk about this all the time, building your target audience. You probably heard me talk about it a little bit um, at Hustle and Heels. Uh, but, you know, target audience, knowing what they need, nurturing. When you know these things about people, your conversation does not have to be driven on buy from me, buy from me. Like you will just create content that, you know, it's serving them. So they they at that point when they are ready to buy from you, they know, like and trust you already. So the salesy thing is removed. And that's why I stress so much on people really figuring, like taking the time to know your target audience. And it, it, what I'm trying to say, that's almost the cure for feeling salesy. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that this is just as a practical example, additional one to, to throw in here. For those of you who've been listening to the Boca podcast for particularly for the last three or so years that we've been producing episodes, um, over 300 recorded now, you'll notice that I very rarely ever talk about photographer's edit. Uh, that is very, very much on purpose. I don't, I'm very much like the photographer, Anisha, that you were describing. I don't like to be a salesperson either in the annoying sense. But when I created the podcast and as we continue to develop the podcast, the goal is to number one and always add value in some form or fashion to the photography industry, which I'm so crazy about. I've been a part of for close to 20 years or so. And, and so that is the number one goal. Photographers edit, we're gonna we're gonna mention photographers edit in passing in the intro, the outro, occasionally maybe in conversation during the interviews. But ninety-eight, ninety-nine percent of the conversation has nothing to do with photographers edit directly. And that is right. very much on purpose. The interesting thing about that is that we've noticed essentially double the number of accounts created at Photographers Edit this year from Boca Podcast. And, mm -hmm. and that kind of increase in growth, despite the fact that we don't talk about photographers edit is a really great example of how the soft sell can actually work very, very effectively if you're focused first on connecting right. with people personally and helping them, uh, that that genuine desire to add value to their lives. It can actually benefit. It may not be the, the fast play, the quick play that automatically drives numbers, but mm -hmm. ultimately it's going to be a win-win for everybody in the end. I think that's the way to go about it. So I love that you, that you emphasize it's the way that you go about it that matters. Yeah. And you're serving, like people may not realize because, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just listening to a podcast. Right. And that's, that's the, just the, the basic way of looking at it. But like the way that the Boca podcast is working, first of all, I'm just going to just be transparent even more. I have people messaging me all the time from the first interview that we did that are like, oh my gosh, I just heard you on the Boca podcast. And that was months ago. Oh, I'm so glad. You know? So it's like, your the Boca podcast is serving people in a way that people don't even realize you would have to pay for a lot of this content at a conference, whether people are giving you, you know, level one info or level three info. Sure. You would pay thousands of dollars at a really good keyword marketing content for some of the content uh, conference. I meant marketing conference for some of the content I've heard 
on the Boca podcast myself from the people that you've been interviewing, like myself, Chip. I mean, I, the names, Vanessa Hicks, I could keep going on on like the stuff that they're sharing. So yeah, you're serving your people. So when they say, you know what, I'm really struggling in this area of editing and now you you are presented as a solution, they already know, like, and trust you. So now it's a matter of where do I, where do I buy? Like right. that's just really that simple. And I think, I think sometimes creatives overcomplicate things and when it comes to <laughs> never, owner, never. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to being a business owner, and that's why some people who meet me initially, they're like, she's so business driven. Like, I got my creative on lock. Like, and I can always tweak that. <laughs> but I feel like the business side, you need to be that that drill down. You need to be focused because that's what's really helping people who focus on the business side stay afloat. But I wanted to throw in the the third tip before we forget, because you know how we, we click so well, we just start talking about something Oh, else. it's good. It's great. Uh, yeah. The third, yeah. The third benefit of, of IGTV. What is that? Okay. Awesome. This is one of my faves. Well, I have a lot, but this is really one. Okay. So um, if you have less than 10,000 followers at this time of this, of this uh, interview, you can actually get the swipe up feature if you use IGTV. So if you're wondering how that's done, what you would need to do is create an IGTV video with an opt-in that can serve your audience first. Okay? okay. You don't you don't want it to be just go to my website. That's not an opt-in that's serving your audience, that's serving you. So an opt-in, for example, like maybe you have a list of like top 10 venues in your city. Yeah. Uh, and if you know that your clients like beach weddings and all these venues you have or beach weddings, then that's an opt-in that they will want. That's an opt-in that will serve them. So you would create your title and description that I was mentioning before, and then you want to put a link in the description, right? So I recommend using a bit.ly because it's shorter, it's less words yeah, and characters. So the bit.ly link um, will create that link to your video. Now, when you go to IG stories, this is where they work together. You create either you can show like a little snippet, 15 second snippet of your IGTV video, or you can get, you can create a graphic that lets people know, Hey, I have this resource, you know, through this video. When you upload the, the graphic to IGTV, it's going to give you these options on the top of the app. Okay, and so for example, you'll see like the download arrow, you can click the button to use GIFs, you know, text, et cetera, right? What what you'll see is like a little link. It's like two links together. When you click that, it will say, tag a business partner, allow business partner to promote. And then on top, it'll say add swipe up link. Really? Right. So then you would click IGTV video. This is why I'm explaining it the way I am. You have to create the video first to connect it so then obviously you find the video that's relevant to what you're posting about and then uh you click that and you hit done and it'll say call to action added and then you save it to your story and so now here's here's you need to listen to this part though because a lot of people go i did it and i don't see nothing you you won't see the swipe up link but your audience will so if you have a like i have a dummy account where i test things on so it's not coming out on my branded account. Um, so if you have a dummy account, you can look at it from there. And what it'll do is it'll it'll show you the swipe up link on the bottom and it'll say watch video. That will take people to your video, which has your link in it. And this works. You do have to think about what you can give to serve your audience. But I actually made money off of this strategy. And the video I posted 
has been up there from August of 2018. <laughs> wow. Well, this is a really cool tip. And, and Haley's listening in. Haley, maybe you already knew this, but if not, let's let's leverage this because this is a great idea too. I mean, <laughs> what a what a great tip. I mean, just that one tip is, is almost worth this whole conversation. So thanks for sharing that. And let's keep going though, because we have quite a bit to cover and a relatively short amount of time. Um, yeah. These are three benefits and already they're quite compelling. We talked about the reality, which is that we already have a following that we can send these videos to or share these videos with. Uh, consumers are ready to buy on Instagram versus being more apt to focus on learning on YouTube. And then three, you can get that swipe up feature and, and that workaround was great. But let's talk about three important concepts that photographers should keep in mind when using IGTV for your brand or maybe in a, in a more practical way three concepts that they should keep in mind as they're creating the content for and posting it to their IGTV? So you definitely want to make sure that your call to action makes sense, which I just kind of gave you an idea of one, but you want to make sure that it's relevant and makes sense to the content that you're posting. Definitely want to be unique. Okay. I think that's one of the things that's, that's killing social media right now for a lot of people is you're going to a page. I'm just going to give a real scenario. Let's say the bulk of podcasts had like 25,000 followers, whatever, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, they have 25,000 followers. I'm going to do exactly what the bulk of podcasts is doing. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. That's right. the wrong approach. You need to be unique. And that's what's drowning people. Like, if I don't know if you're hearing it yourself, like from you know people you're interviewing or just being in the community, but a lot of people are complaining, I'm not getting the reach, my engagement is down. And then the next thing you hear is it's the algorithm's fault. The algorithm actually works in your favor when your content is right for your audience. Hmm. Mic drop Obama style. Okay, like <laughs> that's that, awesome. That's the real that's the real answer. Like, listen, there are tons of resources out there for IGTV, Instagram, video marketing. I'm one of them. But when you really learn how to create content for your audience, when you really learn how to make customized keyword there too, customized content, that's when you actually see the benefits. And this is not to toot my own horn, but my engagement has gone up. My following has increased. I'm not seeing the other things that other people are seeing. And the other thing too is I also don't post for vanity metrics, which is, you know, the whole, how many likes I have, like likes and your vanity metrics, which is more so your following as well. That doesn't equal dollar bills in the bank. Hmm. So like I said, have a good call to action, have content that serves your audience, uh, be unique, repurpose your content. If you're good on like Facebook live, save that video. One tip I'll give you, and I, I'm sorry if I'm veering, it's just, I get so excited about video. No, it's but, good. Um, like if you're going live and you you plan on repurposing that live on IGTV, sit in the middle of your screen. Like when you're doing the Facebook live, it doesn't matter if during the live people are like, why is she in the middle? Like, don't worry about that because you already know you're going to use that for, you know, the vertical format on IGTV. So That's you don't have good. to worry about sliding things out of the way. You know yep. what I mean? Like frame, you're in the middle, yep. frame it. And that's repurposing content. So for people who feel like, I just can't do video, and now she wants me to do video for IGTV, what are you, crazy? Like, it's you know, I don't have time for this. This is one way to save time is repurposing content that you already have. Ah, that's really, really good. Okay, so practical ideas to keep in mind. And and by the way, even just focusing on this, the simple idea of creating a relevant CTA, this isn't just applicable for IGTV. It's applicable in our feed. It's applicable on our websites. And you really don't see it 
leveraged enough in the photo industry, creating a relevant CTA is really, really important. And we could probably spend multiple episodes on just that. But that's a good first practical idea concept to keep in mind. The second one is to be unique. And you're right. It is so easy these days to just copy and paste literally or figuratively what other photographers are doing because it is appealing that they have a massive following and that they're being asked to speak at conferences and this kind of thing. But it's not going to do us a whole lot of benefit in the long run. And uh, so be unique, create content that's unique. And then number three, repurpose your content. If you're already creating video content elsewhere, keep in mind that you could use it for IGTV and kind of plan accordingly. This is, this is really great stuff, Anisha. Let's, let's go next then to um, an even more practical kind of next action here. Speaking of CTA, what are just three creative ways that photographers can leverage IGTV? I mean, you talked about the significance of being unique. What are three creative ways that they can go about leveraging IGTV as they begin to use the tool for their business? Yeah. Topics that work, the creative ways, but honestly would be topics. That's where I'm going to start. Tutorials work really, really well on IGTV. If you can also do a series. So you can even do something. Your life isn't boring. You'd be surprised how many people would love love to know who's behind the brand and what their life is like. So like you, Nate, you travel a lot, like three part series, my, my world tour, you know what I mean? You break <laughs> three, you're always going somewhere. I'm like, I need to be in his backpack. Um, but yeah, like series work really well. Tutorials work, believe it or not. You can even do a webinar on IGTV. I'm sorry, I'm clapping again. That's that New York excitement here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can even do a webinar on IGTV. So you're educating people through that webinar aspect. Now, obviously, you would not charge people for it because you really can't charge them to be to watch something that is on a free platform because that's unfair to the people who you're not charging. Sure. But you can actually repurpose that content. So, for example, let's say you go all three routes: tutorial webinar, series, education, entertainment, product showcasing, like I I can go on. Um, You can take all of those and use them in other places. So your email signature is one place. So you could bring people to the content you have on IGTV. So for example, let's say my bride writes me and I want her to see what it's like to be photographed during the getting ready portion. I have a video like that on IGTV and it's linked in my email signature. People read that stuff. They read what you have in your email signature. So if you're not using that real estate, like start using it because people actually do click on that stuff. Uh, Same thing, like I said, with webinars, tutorials, you can repurpose them on your blog. So you have the IGTV video, which you can embed in your blog posts, um, which is going to get you more views, more traffic. And then you add text format to the actual blog itself to support it. Okay. So topics, specifically tutorials, series, Mm -hmm. webinars, um, I I can come up with just endless content, uh, whether it's, you know, based around some of the things we've talked about here in the book of podcasts or workflow specifically for photographers though, how, how did they come up with like a series, for example, of content that would be applicable to the potential clients that they're reaching out to? I mean, are they going to create tutorials? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head. Could it be like a series of interviews of the of the, the local wedding venues and their owners, maybe local coordinators, do a whole series on coordinators, another series on bakers? What What are some other ways that they could go about creating content? Because I know that I would assume anyway that a lot of photographers will have a hard time coming up with an idea for creating all of this content. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those overthinking parts of, of us being creative. Like yeah. they have, 
they have access to everything they need. Like seriously, you can even do a series on frequently asked questions and you turn it into more entertaining, you know, so you're not boring. Like, hi, this is Anisha from Unashamed Imaging. <laughs> you know, like, don't be boring. You can do like, you, you have to, you have to, this is what I say about video. Like you've met me in person, right? So you have to kind of one up a little bit when you're doing audio and video. Doesn't mean don't be yourself. Just bring a little bit more energy. Because if I'm doing this podcast with Nate and I'm like, yeah, so yeah, this is how you use IGTV. You guys are done already. You're like, I'm not listening to this. So you got to have a little bit more energy. So you can take your frequently asked questions and turn them, turn that into a series. But don't call it FAQs. That's boring to people. You know what I mean? Like you could do something like behind the scenes with unashamed imaging, everything you need to know. You know you're going to go over frequently asked questions, right? right but this right. is everything you need to know. And then you let's say you have like your top – I always tell people use top 10. But let's – you use your top 10 frequently asked questions and you break them down and divide them. I would say in like three, so you'd be off a little bit because it's 10. Um, but let's just say the first three are like, why I don't give raw images. And you and you make it entertaining. At the end of the day, you are still giving them that same boring information of I don't give raw images because it doesn't go with my style, blah, 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 right? But you, but for video, you would just tweak it a little bit with, would you ask the baker for the cracked eggs, the plastic that was wrapped up in the, you know, what the cake is going to sit on, the container that the mix came in? No, you wouldn't. And that's why I don't give raw images for my wedding photography yeah. to my clients. Don't want that. You see how like I just turned something that was like boring to oh snap that makes sense. I don't want the cracked eggshells from my cake, <laughs> you know. Because I think a lot of people overthink sometimes, and it's really you. Have, when I tell people like you literally have the answers to the content that you need to make right in front of you, and just to tell you guys like I'm not blowing smoke. The people that I help like come up with content ideas, they're not photographers off all of them. I work with lawyers. I've done videos for healthcare. I've done videos for, um, you know, video content ideas for makeup artists. One of my hairstylist clientele, she gets 710,000, way more than I do, views on IGTV. Crazy. Wow. Yes. And all, and some of her videos are just her combing somebody's hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, but it's a great point, though. I mean, there is, we, you're right. We tend to over, and I say we, because I, I, I'll lump myself in there. Uh, I've <laughs> certainly been guilty of it. Overthinking things. When the reality is there is content right in front of us. And it's not yeah. about making perfect. And I'll break the fourth wall again here with the podcast. You know, there. if I had overthought how to go about doing this podcast, the idea of creating 300 episodes um, mm. for the show wouldn't be possible. The reality is you can you can take one topic and, and you can have that conversation with somebody or you can create content around that topic or you can figure out ways, as you're pointing out, Anisha, to break that down into to eight different segments. Right. And then each of those eight different segments you could approach from a different angle. So now you've got 16 different possibilities. Uh, so there there are opportunities if you're just willing to to make a little bit of effort to come up with a wide variety of content, more than enough to easily fill up that that IGTV bank. And um, so this is a good reminder. So when we're talking about creative ways that photographers can leverage ID, IGTV, first of all, starting with topics, tutorials, series, uh, webinars even. And and mm -hmm. again, the, the possibilities with all three of those things are endless, really, even for wedding and portrait photographers. So that's really great. Take us to a second one, if you will. 
I would definitely use behind the scenes clips on IGTV. Okay. I know that seems like something that would primarily live on Instagram stories and it can live on there as well because it's not, it's the raw, you know, the feed is more curated and pretty and it's the raw, but behind the scenes on IGTV also works really, really well. The reason why I say that is because it works for engagement. So again, you always have to think of like, what's the end goal with why you're choosing the topics that you're covering, you know, or the category of topics. So if you're looking for that engagement, if you show behind the scenes clips, you'll definitely get more people talking because they're like, oh, wow, this is how she does that or he does that. Or this is like if the Boca podcast did a series on like a three part series, this is how we set up the podcast. You know what I mean? And then this is how we choose our speakers like that right there would make I would watch that because I'm like, what do what is your criteria for choosing who you choose to interview? You know, and the third part is watch us do a live podcast interview. Huh? Yeah, see, I mean, just like that, though, you you popped out three ideas. It's so easy to do. That's but but I mean, this is a great example and a reminder for our listeners again, though, creating mm-hmm. something as simple as a, a BTS series, a behind the scenes series, um, yeah. it, it really isn't overly complicated. For for whether it's or whether it's for somebody who has a studio, which I mean, a studio by itself means ten different videos. I mean, or, or even more. Like, there's so much content that you could create there about how your studio is set up and what you use each aspect of it for. Uh, but even if you work at home, you probably have a workspace at home and right. and breaking breaking down an explanation of that workspace at home and how you work from home, what your work day looks like. I mean, there's probably easily five, 10 videos there because they don't have to be an hour long each. Right. Anisha, I mean, do, do you kind of go, oh. do you shoot for a particular length <laughs> with the videos you create? I shoot for the message, not for the length. And oh, I know good. some people, some people will say, oh, that's not whatever. Like, that's my response, whatever. No, I definitely shoot for the message. Am I delivering the message in the length of, you know, of the video that, that I'm creating? Cause for, first of all, if you don't, let's just, let's just use this example. Like Gary V Gary V has a huge following. I'm, I'm one of the people in his following. I will watch his hour long videos. So I will listen to his hour long podcast. Why? Cause his content's for me. So I'm no longer looking at the length of it. I'm more so paying attention to the richness and the value of the content. If you're bringing value, people don't look at time anymore. It's when it's when you start bringing non-value or low value. That's when people are like, oh, your episodes are too long or your, your videos are too long because they're not getting something from it. Have mm. you ever watched a movie and you're like, dang, that was short. And you look at your watching like, we've been here for two hours. You were, <laughs> yeah, it was made for you. It was yeah. done right. Storytelling was great. Yeah. I think people focus on the superficial stuff. Like, I don't have the best camera. I don't have the best graphics. And my stuff doesn't look like so-and-so. First of all, like Gary Vee has even admitted it. He can't make the videos he puts out. That's why he has D-Rock, you know? So when people come to me with that, I'm like, that's what I'm here for. I can create custom overlays for you, you know what I mean? So that you have it more branded if you don't really know what you're doing or you don't have the time to do it. I like to do it. So contact me, you know, like there are resources out there that you can use. So don't stop yourself because you're like, oh, well, it's not the perfect video. There are tons of videos out there in this world that are not perfect that have impact. And so stop focusing on aesthetics too much. And that's that's where I think creative sometimes um, are their own worst enemy. It's like, it's not that, especially in the wedding industry. And I get it. I understand where we are in the marketing of pretty and happy. So when we have a video that's not pretty, we're like, uh, this isn't going to work. I can't do it. 
<laughs> it's got to be yeah. just right. Yeah, no, at the the focus on in fact it's interesting you bring up Gary Vaynerchuk is he he was really the impetus for me finally just like locking it down and say, you know what? I need to actually be consistent and put out not 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 just consistently put out content, but ultimately do so in volume. And mm-hmm. and the focus on putting content, value-add content out there over perfection yes. has made a really big difference for us. Now, it doesn't take away from the effort that I make on an ongoing basis. I'm still quite self-critical of my ability as an interviewer, the quality of, of the inter- interviews that I'm doing, the way that I ask questions, the way that I sometimes, or in fact, many times probably talk too much. I mean, I'm on an ongoing basis trying to tweak the quality of what I'm putting out there. But I'm not letting that stop me from putting out volume. And and it's made a big difference in the spread of the Boca podcast as it's really kind of its own brand, despite its association with Photographer's Edit. So mm-hmm. a focus on volume and and getting just a slightly creative with ways that you can, instead of creating you know one piece every week, breaking that into three segments or yeah. even to five or 10 segments, uh, it's really not overly complicated. If you just take a few minutes to think about how you can break it down, outline it if you need to. And um, you'll have plenty of content to put out there. So, again, just talking about how ways or how photographers can go about leveraging IGTV. We talked about focusing on topics of tutorials, series, webinars. Um, another idea being behind the scenes BTS. Uh, let's finish up with a third way that photographers might be able to leverage the platform. Yes, uh, this is one of my faves, <laughs> and I have this conversation with Chip a lot. Low cost advertising, definitely IGTV. It is. It's great for low cost advertising because, again, it's like creating a commercial that you don't have to put money behind. But if you decide to run an ad, you have that organic content with the IGTV video to push against and help support it. A lot of people don't even think about that, which is why I teach this a lot, that your ads actually run better with organic content that you have around it. And let me explain really, really, really quick why the brain is trained to swipe away from, from sponsored. Even if it doesn't come off sponsored, we, we know, you know, like IGTV has to tell you this is sponsored and it tells you in like small text to kind of give the person doing the ad some leverage of hope. Uh, You know what I mean? But, but our brain knows, especially when we're not in the buying phase of the customer journey, our brain knows like this is a paid ad. I don't want to see it. So they swipe away. But if you create your IGTV video in a manner that still comes off as like showcasing, you know, or an ad like feel to it, but you're not, but it's not paid. They are more inclined to watch it than if you were to take that same video and do a paid ad. Like if you're listening to this, I want to challenge you to make an IGTV video and run it both ways, run it as a paid ad and run it as organically in, in IGTV and follow all the tips that we're, you know, that we've been giving you here. And if you need more, you can reach out, but look at the results that you get. I guarantee you, you're going to get more swipe aways from the sponsored ad because they know what sponsored ad you're trying to sell. This has been like one of the most <laughs> practical conversations and episodes that we've done in some time. And, and I really can't thank you enough for all the advice and expertise and uh, suggestions that you've given our listeners around this topic. I, I do know that, I mean, literally, as soon as I get off this call with you within the next probably 30 minutes or so, I'm going to be sending Haley a message. Haley heads up our digital part- marketing with Photographer's Edit and, and Boca Podcast produces the show. 
And we're going to be starting to put our heads together about how we can go use this advice that you've given us, Anisha, and, and actually leverage the platform. So thank you again. Will you just briefly share with our listeners where they can find you online and and make mention too about the education that you offer as well. So you can find me for my wedding content. It's going to be under unashamed imaging. And then for my video marketing content, it will be under learn with AC. I also have a Facebook group for my education, which is called learn with AC as well. It's a video marketing community for creatives and business owners and like I said, I am very open. I love Instagram. So if you DM me and say a lot of people have already, but if you DM me and say, I heard you on the book podcast, you know, I can always link you to this stuff as well. If, it, if that's easier for you. Okay, cool. Well, we'll, and we'll put all of these resources uh, as well as the talking points in the show notes. Make sure you're taking advantage of the show notes. If you're listening to the podcast, if you just go to bokehpodcast.com, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com, or if you're using a podcast player that has those show notes in it, um, scroll through, you can see the resources and link to Anisha's Instagram and website as well. We'll put all of that in the show notes. But uh, thanks once again, Anisha, for hanging out with us today. Absolutely. I always have fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.